0: House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren sitting on the sidelines, and we've got Mr... David Nor'Easter Martino. <laughs> new name. New name. Well, I mean Norris did this week. Aren't you getting another yeah. storm too or something like
1: that? He, oh yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's unrelenting. But right now it's like in the forties, so it's not too bad. So
0: oh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't mind forties actually. I kinda like forties. But I'm a Seattle boy. So forties, yeah. fifties is quite good. It's comfortable for me.
1: You know, I can still yeah, wear shorts. <laughs> exactly. Shorts and a hoodie, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: a shorts, hoodie, do the whole thing. Nobody ice it. coffee. Yeah, that that's me. Hmm. Um, hey, no, t- I I have to laugh. Did you see that on I <laughs> on the morning cycle of the news? There was that okay corral or whatever that um, bu- buffet. And oh then yeah. There's the, the legend steak. <laughs> yeah, but the big big fight over it. Uh, there was a yeah. big forty people throwing chairs and everything because they were fighting over the last steak.
1: Yeah. And he said alleged. I, I did see that. It was allegedly well, that yeah. he ran out of
0: steak. Well, you know, but the funny, you know, they would just get more, wouldn't they? I mean, when they something empties in the buffet, they just bring out more later. Right? Well,
1: I, I don't think they, I think they ran out of steak, uh, supposedly, the,
0: the, the,
1: the uh, restaurant-wide. Yeah.
0: Well, like it's steak it's anyway. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> say, well, it's steak, but maybe not beef, you know, but mm, yeah, I don't know, you know, I I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't fight over it. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no more steak, there's no more meatballs, you know, it's preformed usually <laughs> anyway, you know, it's like this thing, it looks like the McRib, you know, yeah, without true. a so and it's the like, sauce, and... yeah, like this is, this is normal, <laughs> <sighs> you know, this world just keeps going crazier every day, um, so saying. anyway, yeah, you know, it's all your fault. Um, anyway, so we we'll move on today. We've got uh, another writer today, very interesting guest here. Um, yeah. So we'll just jump right into it. So um, let's welcome Willow Starling to the show. How are you doing, Willow? I'm doing fantastic. How are you gentlemen doing? Uh, good. We're staying away from the buffet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Besides yeah, that, we're off. Good awesome. move. Yeah, yeah. You'll been throwing <laughs> stuff at me. I never trust anybody. This is your first book, of course, I guess. Uh, it's called Death judgment and the tower so well the whole thing ties together i guess i was gonna say tell us about your life and how you got into writing the book but it's probably something to do with who you are so absolutely yeah so how how does this start like where did um where did it start for you where you actually thought in your in your mind well i'm going to write a book about this and it's going to involve a lot of things that mean something to me so let's uh, let's start out there well, let's see um well the
2: thing that um well, I guess like after like the first three and a half years of being an out trans woman I was sitting on my bed one day and I was thinking to myself huh well these uh, experiences would make a very interesting horror novel <laughs> 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 and um it just it honestly went from there um the um the first part of the novel was me like working through all my trauma of all the experiences I've been through. There was, um, well, first there was just a few, first few months where, you know, I wasn't that convincing as the gender that I am. And, you know, I had a few rude people here and there say a few things and I had, I've had some gentlemen come up to me and like, just start being out and out. Like, sexual to me in conversation. I'm just like, Oh, Oh, Hey, hello, sir. How's the weather? And, um, yeah, like it would just come out of nowhere. And by the time I got into like a legitimate relationship with a man, he was very self-cautious about the whole thing. The entire time we were together, like every, um, every, well, seemingly every single day, like he would, just be very uptight. He, he didn't feel comfortable around me, and I knew he didn't. And I would keep trying to ask him, like, hey, is there something wrong? But he would just be like, oh, no, nothing. And then give it about a week. And he would talk about, oh, hey, so um, my brother, he, um, I, I told him about you, and he started making fun of me. So if you if you could, like, you know, try to speak up a couple octaves or, you know, hey, I'm going to tell him that I actually got you pregnant. I'm just like, are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And that's just a small sliver of what I had to put up with.
0: I I can say I understand it, but um, because I've been in the gay community my whole life, I'm 60 years old, I've seen a lot of changes and lived in a few cities. So I I, kind of get it. But um, I'm sort of surprised in a sense that... um, there's still this much difficulty um, that trans people are going through um, in the public like as I'm I, I, like I understand in some areas it's really hard for people to accept and you know and maybe some people are extremely conservative religious and, and they sort of have this issue with anything different but um, so why would this guy want to go out? if he's so upset about it or so on guard by this?
2: I think um, he was probably very conflicted inside of himself. Like on one end, he wanted to be with a transgender woman. And um, uh, let me try to find a TV PG way of saying this. Um, being with a woman with um, unique equipment, we'll just say that.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. So basically, <laughs> he wanted a chick with a stick exactly there we go okay
2: <laughs> <laughs> so he wanted that but but he didn't want like you know any of the social backlash that came with it and whenever he felt that come along then you know he started taking it out on me like he wasn't like yelling and screaming or anything but he would just be like hey you know like can you like did you know why do you stop wearing makeup like start wearing makeup every day again and i'm just like but i don't want to i'm at home and i'm not going outside
0: right, right. like yeah, no, I mean, it, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm always confused by it a little bit because uh, I understand. See, for you, it's it's you are a woman in a man's body, and so you want to transition to the correct body so that you feel comfortable and you can live happy. So I think I've got that. That's the basic part of that. From From his point of view, he wants to be with a man that appears to be a woman.
2: Yeah, that's definitely, yeah, that's definitely one way to put it. He definitely wanted to, you know, be with, as you said, a chick with a stick. Yeah. And even then, like, he would, you know, he wasn't 100% like, you know, confiding in me with that because on one end he would act uncomfortable with it. On the next end, like, we're in the middle of doing certain things. And then, like, two days later, he's freaking out about it. And I'm just like, okay, dude,
0: come on. Wow, so that so that led to a lot of the the uh, turmoil. Now you've incorporated that in your book as well, I guess.
2: Oh yeah, so uh, not so like not so much specifically on like you know the specific type of woman that he wanted, but basically um, the main character's soon to be ex. Um, he basically a closeted bisexual. And he does not want anybody to know that. He wants everybody around him to think that, you know, he's a straight man. He only exclusively dates women. And he takes his frustrations out on Kelly because people can tell that, Ke- that Kelly is trans.
0: Mm. So now Kelly uh, McElvoy, I guess that's your main character. How much of you do you think goes into Kelly. Oh, there was
2: actually quite a bit. Um, It it almost became a joke uh, with my roommates and I because at some point I would just look at them and say, "Yeah, it's basically me with red hair."
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, but does it when you when you share a lot of yourself like this in, in a book that anybody can pick up and read? Right. So, you know, uh, Joe Blow down the road can just pick it up and read it. And it's about you. It's a lot of your feelings, a lot of the turmoil, a lot of the things that you've experienced. So you're kind of being vulnerable in a sense by letting that come out. Does that sort of does, does that sort of bother you or how do you feel about that? Oh, uh, that used to bother me. Um, Let's see,
2: Uh, back like about four years ago, I did some film projects when I was going to uh, community college for filmmaking. And I did, I wrote a couple scripts for some class projects, and they were very deeply personal. They gave away a few details about my life that at first I was comfortable with, but then the final product shows on the screen. And all the all my classmates are watching this, and then I start like wanting to backtrack. I start being like, "Should I put this on film?" But um, I found that a lot of those feelings are basically it's a lot of like shadow work that I had to do for myself that I hadn't done four years ago. But I have actually managed to do a lot of that shadow work uh, last year, like summer last year. I went on a major spiritual journey, and I was able to work through, okay, why do I have these insecurities? Why do I have these issues? And am I going to be prepared to be this personal with this novel when it goes out? Because when it goes out, there's no going back. So it was just a lot of shadow work, yeah.
1: Did you uh, take up writing kind of like as a catharsis uh, from the things that you've gone through? Is that uh, what drove you to, uh, to, to, to create uh, a novel?
2: Well, I've always always been a reader when I was a kid, and I was also into film and video. And at first, it was looking like my future was going to be in the movies. Like, I would always write a bunch of screenplays. None of them have ever seen The Light of Day, of course. And um, I think what inspired me to do a book specifically was the freedom that uh, screenplay writing wasn't giving me. Because when you write a screenplay... Um, you're going to have to keep in mind certain things like budget, like, you know, what's the budget of the movie? So I probably couldn't have like 10 explosions. I can't have 10 houses exploding in, you know, a shoestring budget film. However, like if I'm writing a book, I can write whatever I want. Like I can go as, you know, small scale or as big scale as I please.
0: And that was, that was really appealing to me. Now, your book, you've got it into what you say is three parts, so I'm guessing Death, Judgment, and the Tower are the three parts. Uh, Maybe explain what each part is. Oh, absolutely. So uh, the first part is called Death,
2: and uh, by the way, the name actually comes from three different major arcana in the tarot deck. Uh, There's uh, the Death card, the Judgment card, and the Tower card. And um, the... The name of part one, death, actually reflects the meaning of the death card in the deck. And that is, it's not what a lot of people think. They think it means, like, literal death. But really, whenever you get the death card, it more than likely signifying a rebirth of something or someone. And what's happening in part one of Death, Judgment, and the Tower is that Kelly, her old self, is dying off, albeit in a very grueling way. And she is getting ready for her rebirth at the end of part one. And then part two, judgment, uh, that's like an absolution. Uh, That is where she goes from the ending of part one, and she starts beginning ascending spiritually to her highest form. And then the tower, um, what the tower is in the tarot deck, Uh, it usually signifies an upheaval that brings significant and necessary change. Uh, Usually a tower moment isn't very beautiful. It's usually a big mess, but it's very necessary, and the changes that come out of it are spectacular. So what happens in part three is that Kelly is going to have a couple major tower moments. It's like, okay, you have reached this point of spiritual ascension. Are you going to stick with it despite these next couple
0: challenges, or are you going to revert back to your old ways? At the end of the book, like, if someone picks up your book, takes it home, reads it, and then um, when they're finished, what is it you hope that they get or take away from that book besides the story itself?
2: Well, there's a couple things. Um, One that uh, ultimately, like, they're, like, despite how villainous somebody may seem, there's always a reason behind it. Like, if somebody is being, like, very treacherous towards you, that it's because they're in a lot of pain themselves and they haven't done the healing that they need to do. Like a lot of the characters, especially in the beginning of the book, like at first it seems like the villains are pretty cut and dry. Like, okay, these are terrible people. They're being, they're doing this and that to our, to our protagonist here. But then as you go along, you start finding out their motivations behind why they're so cruel to her. And it's, Actually, it goes from, like, you know, a straight-up horror to, like, almost becoming like a tragedy, it, you know, by the time you get to the third part because you're just like, wow,
0: these people have really been through the ringer. And so, uh, you know, going through the experience from the beginning to the end and when you were writing this book and putting it down on paper or in the laptop or however it was, but at the end of the book and, and you get it all done and you hit, hit send and it's published, um, how do you think this process has changed you? Well, it's definitely been,
2: it's definitely been an interesting uh, piece of trial and error because whenever I went into this, like, I had no, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to write a book. I'm going go to go into Reedsy. I'm going to write this book, and then I'm just going to go from there and see what's next. And, you know, I went to a couple different sites. I went to Bar- the Barnes & Noble Press. I went to Amazon. Um, Amazon got things done the most quickly, and then by the time the book was out there, I was just like, yay, that's great. Now what? (laughs) And then I just, right? And then I just began promoting, like quoting random posts on different Facebook groups. I talked about the book on LGBTQ Facebook groups, and then I talked about the book on horror Facebook groups, which uh, the latter of the two, they definitely had a good response. I had a couple people reach out and give me some, yeah, you know, excellent advice. Um, I found out. Okay, this is going to be kind of embarrassing. I found out about a thing called uh, editors. <laughs> I I did I did want to get different people to do like different tasks for this book. Like I wanted somebody else to do the book cover. I wanted somebody to proofread the book to make sure that I didn't leave a bunch of spelling mistakes in there. I was four months unemployed. Whenever uh, by the time I got the book finished, so. I was like, okay, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to paint this book cover, and then what I'm going to do, I'm going to read through the entire book, give myself a week, read through the book again, give myself another week, read through it again. And um, I was actually surprised by how many errors I would find, like, with every subsequent read. I would just
0: be like, really? (laughs) This this is why we have proofreaders and editors. (laughs) Yeah, it's normal. Exactly, it's normal. Doesn't matter (laughs) how many you've written or how much you know; it just happens,
1: and you can never get them all.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like it is. Oh my goodness! Like
2: it it would just be like you know the fourth time I did this. There was like fifty new errors, and it's just like, girl, mm."
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 you know for for most writers the um, hardest part of the book is the edit process. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, getting it. So that it's all proper, you know, and so getting yourself someone that that is a really good editor um, is is a must or it's a really good thing to to have um, for any writer, because even if you send it to a publisher or if you self publish it, it kind of gives you that extra bit of confidence that it's that it's put together and it reads fine. People will enjoy the read, you know. Oh, absolutely, and I'm definitely looking forward to that. Whenever
1: I
2: get to, whenever I get finished with the second book,
0: yeah, it's a process. We we all go through processes to get there, you know. So it doesn't happen That's overnight, right. you know. I'm still embarrassed about my first books, so <laughs> we don't we don't <laughs> talk about those. But uh, <laughs> it's a process. We get there, and um, you know, and then you'll be like Dave.
1: Yeah,
0: he's, <laughs> he's on top of the world. Now. Oh yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, right. you know, He's the star here just so you know. <laughs> the star oh yeah <laughs> well, you know i was just wondering how, how you experience your characters as you're writing them um, do do you hear your characters do you have an inner monologue or because you have a film background is it more uh, is it something that you, you more see in your mind's eye
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, it's. It, it, I would
2: actually say it's a combination of A and B. Like I'm definitely always seeing like the people and events unfold through my mind's eye, and I can always hear their voices. And like within the first couple seconds, like I'll know like a character's full name, like their backstory, like their motivations. Um, I can hear the way that they're talking. Um, sometimes I'll even get up and act out scenes in my room um my poor roommates <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely get into it and it's also definitely helped my writing process because okay, so the one thing I've heard is that like, you know, with the first draft, like, you know, if you're stuck somewhere, just keep going anyway. Mm. I actually I actually constantly commit the sin of stopping and being like, oh wait a second, I mean If, you know, if the error is that bad, I might have to backtrack a whole lot here. So I'll just take 30 minutes and I'll see what exactly is going on here. Like maybe if I take a different approach, like I'll speed things along. And for the most part, that's helped. And on some occasions, it's cost me like 36 hours of writing. But, hey, you know.
0: (laughs) I think that process is the best one. You know, I I put it to... uh when you're learning to play a piano or something and you come to a part of the song where you make a mistake, you know, a lot of people will start over again, start playing. And it's like, no, you should stop at that part and practice where you keep making the mistake until you get it right. So I think it's good to go over those when it's, when it's there in your mind and you know that this is wrong or you need to do something, it's good to figure it out. Um, Personally, I agree with that method. So there you go. Not that it's actually. It doesn't mean a whole (laughs) lot, but yeah.
2: (laughs) I know. I actually like the comparison because I always think of like every creative venture. Like it almost feels like music to me in a sense. Like even back when I was still doing like post production on like video projects. Like whenever I was in the editing suite, like everything just felt like you know a unique composition, and like I was organizing all the notes or like, obviously in this case, you know, clips of video, but it felt like I was composing, you know, music in a sense. Yeah. It felt musical. Yeah.
0: Okay. So let's, let's talk about a, a little bit about um, being transgender and, and being transgender in this time period in the United States. Um Maybe maybe for listeners that are, are, are unaware, what is it or how is it that you see um, yourself, first of all, and what you want people to know of who you are? As far as being transgender, you mean? Yeah, just being being who you are. What, what is it you want? You know, you go out to the shopping mall or you go down, walking down the street and you're going to go get a coffee and you pass by people what is it you want them to know about you? What is it you want them to think about you?
2: If I'm just walking down the street, you know, I just want people to, you know, stop and say, and well, they don't have to stop per se, but you know, if they see me, they just be like, oh, there's a, you know, lovely looking lady. And then like, you know, if I wave and say hi, you know, they continue thinking that. And for them to just be like, oh, well, that was fun. And then just go on their day. Um, now, during the first few years of coming out and transitioning and, you know, even medically transitioning, I found that there were some people that like, you know, they would hear that my voice was below the average octave of a woman and they would, they would just, they would act like they didn't know what to do. And I'm just like thinking by my mind, honey, it's okay. You can just continue talking to me as normal. Like there's no need to freak out or nothing. Yeah. Like I think that I think that's been like the the weirdest thing is just like people just freaking out over me just minding my business.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's 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 still hard to believe and that, that there's a lot of um hate going on about uh, trans uh people and there's been a lot of people that um there's been a lot of assaults and and even some murders now in the last years. Um Do you ever fear about um, being hurt?
2: See, I used to. um, I most definitely did when I was first coming out. Um, But I I've personally gotten to a point where I'm just like, hey, I'm living this life. I am the freest I've been out of my 33 and a half years on this planet. Um, If I'm meant to go, I'm meant to go, and I have no control over how that's going to happen. But for the time being, I'm just going to enjoy the time that I have. I find it a shame that, you know, trans women have to get – that we as trans women are at bigger risk of, you know, being, you know, killed off than, like, you know, our cisgender counterparts. But that's just something that – that's just been my thing. I've just accepted that, hey, whatever happens happens. I'm just not going to worry about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate, you know. Oh, yeah. And and so – and the years – when Trump came in and, and kind of the conservative side was running the government. So that was a bit of a struggle as well, or it made it worse. Well, let's see.
1: Um,
2: whenever uh, Trump was elected into office, I was still identifying as a cisgender gay man. You know, I presented as a man, everybody knew me as a man. And um, even though that was my identity, I was going through a bit of an identity crisis because I would keep having these conversations in my head, like, Oh, you know, I'm kind of running out of time. Maybe I should start transitioning. No, no, why would you do that? Your life's difficult enough. Why would you want to make it even more difficult? But then, like, about a year, it was like December of 2017. And I was just thinking to myself, well, things are getting kind of nuts out here. Even though it's not that great, I still would have a little bit more freedom than what I'm probably going to have 20, you know, a few more years down the road because. With the way things were at the time, like, you didn't know if this country was going to bounce back or if the literal Nazis were going to take over. And my thing was, well, if the literal Nazis are going to take over a few years from now, I'm going to take these three years, and I'm going to come out and be my authentic self, and then we're just going to go from there. So I, I think that was my thing. It was just like, well, might as well get this over with before things get even wackier. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you got to live for now because you don't know where it's going to go. Not even just with the country. You you just never know with COVID and things like that. Who knows? Um, that's exactly right. You know, you could step out your door and get hit by a truck and you, you just don't know, you know, um, so you have to be careful, you know, and you have to start, you have to live your life because, you know, it, it, it goes fast. Well, absolutely. Now I also noticed that you have a touch of supernatural in the book. So, um, What's your experience with Supernatural? Does that come from um, being in that community, or do you sort of um, have experiences, obviously, with tarot, because you're using that as a title, like some of the card names? So
2: I've always been a bit on the highly intuitive side of things. And, uh, well, part of my spiritual awakening uh, summer last year was being able to fully trust my intuition, because whenever I was growing up, I would know certain things i would sense certain things in people but every time i would try to bring it up to like for example my mom i would just be like hey you know that person's kind of suss over there and she just be like oh no you don't worry about that that person's fine and then later on like give it like a few months and it turns out they weren't so fine but i've been surrounded by a lot of like very narcissistic mindsets in my teenage years and then definitely in my 20s whenever i just kept bumping into the wrong people that my in, like my ability to trust my own intuition just became kind of skewed because on one hand I kind of wanted to trust what I was being told but on the other hand um, I was you know a bit on the lonely side and I wanted people around me and I th- and um, just this past summer has helped me to like fix all that mess, to just be like, okay, so whenever you see a duck, it's a duck. Whenever you see a goose, it's a goose. And as far as the tarot goes, um, how the tarot goes, it's an extension of your intuition. So what, it, so what it does is that you have to trust that the cards that you draw are the cards that you were meant to draw at the time that you drew them. And whenever you look at the cards, they will tell you what you need to know about whatever question is that you're asking.
0: And, and so, wow, that's interesting. Um, so, you said you're you're working on a second book now, or you're starting to you're going to do a second book. Are you going to follow the same character in the book, or are you going to go completely different and get into something else? Well, it's actually a funny to ask that because originally the second book was going to be a
2: spinoff of uh, these this first book that I did, and uh, Kelly McAvoy was actually going to be a side character, but. Uh, the more I tried to go along with it, the more creatively, like, boxed in I felt. So I scrapped that idea. I took what was left over, and I replaced Kelly with a brand-new character. Um, the new character is actually going to be a trans man character. So, um, So I'm definitely looking forward to that. I feel that trans men also have some, you know, very important stories to tell.
0: Oh yeah, I think we all have an experience. Um, so now, are you, you're living in a smaller area? Isn't it the Ann Arbor area? Or- oh yes, the, the
2: town with the funny name. Yeah. Oh um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, um, yeah, I'm in Ypsilanti, uh, Michigan, and it's uh, right beside Ann Arbor. And the funny thing about uh, the funny thing about the area is that it's uh, relatively liberal. You know, it, it's performatively liberal. I'll just put it that way. But, um, with my, like, four years of being out and going out and about, like, there's a difference between how people present and how they actually are. And I've, and honestly, that's just been very disappointing. It's been disappointing, but it's definitely been a learning experience.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's sort of, um, that's part of the process too, right? Um, people oh, absolutely well, you know because they they're, they're in their mindset they think they're fairly liberal and then when they're faced with something they're not used to dealing with or used to experiencing it sometimes makes things awkward and they don't they don't realize it for themselves so in a way you're helping them face their own you know um, their own demon so to speak
2: oh absolutely and uh, ultimately I'm Actually, very grateful to be able to provide that for those people.
0: Yeah, in that's where they had a ripper there in the sixties. They did actually. Yes, a <laughs> ripper—that <laughs> <laughs> some guy that murdered, he, fu- he murdered like five people or something. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think it was around five. Yeah, it was a big deal for us old people. But um, <laughs> but that's <laughs> but that's uh, that's how I remember the town. Not that uh, you know. I know anything else. I've not that about that, but, um, so, so what's next for you now? Where, how are you doing now and where do you see yourself going in the next little while?
2: Well, let's see. Well, right now I am of course working on my second book and I'm also doing deliveries for Grubhub. Um, that gives me a lot more freedom to just explore the roadways. Um, not be in front of massive amounts of people. um, So that's what I'm doing right now. And on down the road, uh, this may sound a little bit cocky, but I do see my books becoming bestsellers, New York Times bestsellers. Um, I'm just going to keep with it. And I'm going to keep trying to put my name out there. And I get a good feeling that I'm going to be catching on.
1: Yeah, well...
0: Just, just keep keep focused on what you need to do and what you need to write and keep, keep moving it and all that. How do you like people to interact with you? Do, they, do you like to do social media? Do you have a website? How do people find you?
2: Oh, uh, people can find me on my Facebook page. It's uh, Willow Starling Books. And uh, right now that's the uh, only social media platform I have right now. I'm not really that... With social media in general, I actually try to reduce it as much as I can because that stuff can get very addictive for me.
0: <laughs> mm. Well, you need to get a TikTok page and get on there dancing and doing stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I, I do have a
2: TikTok page now. That you mentioned it, I'm, uh, Willow Starling six two zero. Well, there you go.
0: He's, he's now so people, you know, get on there and start doing mm-hmm. it, you know. Um, but how was COVID for you and for the, for, for writing the book and stuff? I'd imagine, cause it just recently came out. Did it, was it, may, did it make things more difficult for you or?
2: Well, I actually caught COVID about 14 days after I got the first shot of the vaccine. A little bit of a tragic irony there, um, It was, uh, I was a little bit bedridden. Um, it wasn't, it just felt, it felt like a really bad flu. It's not the flu. Like it's definitely its own unique deadly thing, you know, just, just in case anybody's wondering what my thoughts are on that. But, um, no, it was, and honestly, there's some times where I think I may have like died of COVID, and then my soul was, like, about to leave my body, and then it looked back down and was like, no, nah, I'm not done yet. Because I had this weird dream where, like, well, first everything blacked out for however long, and then I was in this, like, very long cavern that was just never-ending. Like, you know, I would veer left, veer right. It was just this very long, hollow cavern. And then I finally stopped And there were, like, these walls I kept bumping up against. And they, like, every time I bumped up against them, they got red. It was just like, bam, bam, bam. And then whenever I woke up, I made this noise. (gasps) Like, I gasped for breath, like, as if I hadn't been breathing for a hot minute. Wow. And I'm just, yeah. And, you know, people listening to this can feel free to call me crazy. I totally understand that. But there's just some days where I'm just like,
0: Did I die for a little bit or because that was totally, yeah. Well, you know, strange things, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, it's certainly, we wish for the best luck. And, and, uh, of course, we'll have the book up on our website and we want people to go to it. Everyone should get it. Very, very interesting book. Learn something. Um, Death, Judgment, and the Tower and our guest, of course, Will Starling. Thank you for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me.
1: Thanks, Will. To find out more about our show,
0: guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me?
1: Well, good night.